if I do a good deed, I used to feel like, genuinely, right? If I do a good deed, I used to feel like, man, I should get rewarded for this, mashallah. You know, I should get rewarded for this. That's how I used to feel. And why not? Don't you feel like that? Right? That's what we all feel like. I did a deed. Now, b based on that, sometimes what happens is that you might even show off. You might think, I'm better than that guy because look, I did this deed. So I'm going to get more rewards. And then I read something by Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari. Right, where he, who's a knower of Allah, like he knows Allah, you know, much more than I do. And he said, it is sufficient for you, for us, as a reward for any deed that you do, that Allah considered you worthy of doing that deed in the first place. It's like, wow, look at that. That just changed my mindset about this. So yes, I do know that the person has and Allah has promised rewards for certain deeds. But the focus is not like that anymore. The focus now is, you know what? Thank you, Allah. That you allowed me to sit here and do this. That you allowed me to pray. You allowed me to give zakat. You made me one of those who can do this. That is a choice of Allah that He's allowed us to be like that. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد هل يستوي الذين يعلمون والذين لا يعلمون إنما يتذكر أولو الألباب وقال تعالى إنما يتقبل الله من المتقين صدق الله العظيم Brothers and dear sisters uh, we meet, mashallah, after this month of Ramadan has passed. During the month of Ramadan and before the month of Ramadan, there was a lot of discussion about what Ramadan is about. Uh, what's the significance of Ramadan, objective of Ramadan, purpose of Ramadan, and what we're trying to attain in Ramadan. As soon as Ramadan finishes, that discussion ends, and we usually tend to forget. A lot of people tend to forget uh, what the purpose of Ramadan was. And you might be thinking, so what? The Ramadan is done. The purpose of Ramadan has been achieved. Uh, Ramadan is completed. If we're told that this was the objective of Ramadan, 30 days of Ramadan has passed. So it's done and dusted. We'll wait to hear it again next year. So I think this is where we uh, could do better. And that's why I'm going to remind us of a few things. Because Ramadan is not supposed to be. It's not like... Um, you know, there are certain times of the year when you have sales where some things are offered for cheap and you get good deals on them. The purpose of those times are not that you only enjoy those products at that time and then once that sale time is over, then we've got nothing to do with it and we don't extend the benefits of that time. Usually what we do is when it's a time when things are being sold, there's a good <coughs> discount on phones or clothing or some appliances, we actually get them to be used later. It's just a good opportunity to gather something so that we can actually use it later. Also, the other thing, the way uh, many of our earlier generations and still some people approach Ramadan was that Ramadan was the highlight of the year. Ramadan was the highlight of the year. So literally they would be preparing for Ramadan for six months. What do you mean preparing for Ramadan for six months? Preparing food and putting it in the freezer so that it could be ready for iftari time, easy to cook? No. The purpose was psychologically ready. 
spiritually ready so that when Ramadan starts, you get the most benefit. You can take the most out of the month of Ramadan. Okay, that's done. What about after Ramadan? For six months after Ramadan, they'd just be asking Allah to accept. That, oh Allah, accept whatever we did during this time. So, what kind of a status is that? Subhanallah. So, for them, Ramadan, it was Ramadan to Ramadan. And if they got the next Ramadan, Alhamdulillah. There's two people who died. Uh, one used to do more, de more deeds than the other one. Uh, he died earlier. The second person, he died later. He got quicker into paradise. Why? Because he had that extra Ramadan which was worth about 93 years or something like that of extra deeds. It's an amazing time, right? I know we don't see it, we, don't, we can't log in somewhere to check our balance. Oh, mashallah, you got Laylatul Qadr, you know? You managed to do this much sadaq on that day and it was, there was the 25th night or it was the 23rd night this year. We can't see that kind of stuff. So that's why we sometimes just uh, kind of make it insignificant except uh, sometimes on the day. Now, the other thing is that, you know, imagine that you were given an opportunity to, to meet somebody that you really wanted to meet. But you got a very short opportunity. Somebody was very, very busy. Um, some, uh, some, somebody that you really admire or love or whatever the case is. And then you manage to meet with them for a few minutes. Not forever, you know, not that such that you actually got tired of them afterwards. But you got to meet them for a few minutes. How much will you relish? How much will we relish that meeting? For days and days afterwards, you'll tell people, I met that person. Okay, I only had two minutes, but what a meeting that was. And so on. If it's somebody you love, if it's somebody you admire. Likewise, if you manage to go to somebody's house and mashallah, the food that they had cooked, certain dishes were out of the world for you. You know, sometimes it's just that. I mean, there's hardly any restaurant where everything available in that restaurant, right, is 100%. Usually every different place has certain things which are better than other things. But you went to somebody's house and mashallah, their wife, Allah bless them, uh, cooked something really amazing, which you still smack your lips about. You can't just turn up there every day like, you know, it's not a restaurant. You can't just turn up there, brother, let me order this dish, right? How much will you remember that? You'll constantly remember, you wish you had that taste, you wish you could have carried on that taste, you'll talk about it. Do we feel like that about Ramadan? Wow, Ramadan, what a time it was. Some people do. They really feel that Ramadan was the time they still, the thoughts, the, the, the pleasures, the beauty of this month is still lingers for them. They're like, man, I miss it, I miss it. Ramadan, you know, can't be there for the whole year. Otherwise, it becomes standard and normal. So, do we feel like that or not? Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, right? If I don't feel like that, I'm not trying to make myself feel guilty, but I am praying to Allah that He allows us to feel that way. That when Ramadan finishes, we have six months or several months. You know, Ramadan is so powerful. Ramadan is so powerful that it is the time. I mean, I know Ramadan's gone, but what, what I'm trying to explain here is that while Ramadan is gone, I don't want us to feel bad, right? Because we need to thank Allah for the Ramadan He gave us and for whatever He did allow us to do. Alhamdulillah, may Allah accept that. But it's just so that we can prepare for the next one so it'll be different. And there's certain things we can do to allow the blessings of Ramadan. Though shaitan is back out and that wonderful moment is gone, Allah is still there. The one who gave all of these extra rewards. And the extra blessings, he's still there to give it to us individually if we so want it. So we can carry on and extend this. It doesn't have to end.
It doesn't have to end. There's one brother, he was involved in a certain sin. Just it's an addiction. He couldn't get out of it. Try as he might. It's just one of those sins where you get into and then after that, as soon as you finish doing it, you feel bad. Right? But then the next time in a few days you want to do it again and then you feel bad again. That Ramadan, there's one Ramadan, he said that he really made an effort, made a lot of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said that after Ramadan, for about seven months, if I remember correctly, he said that I did not even feel like doing that sin. Before I would feel like it, I would have to try to resist. I would fail. Sometimes I would succeed. I didn't even feel like it. It didn't even uh, come in my mind. My mind didn't even go there. It's like I had developed an immunity. You know some people who deal with hay fever or allergies or something, they have to be really careful when they come across allergens. And, but when you have immunity, like you, don't, you can walk through a park and no problem. All right? He said about after seven months, he started feeling loose again. He started feeling weak again. I don't know what happened afterwards. Then he said another year, he made, again, he used Ramadan for an extra effort. This time he prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, made a lot of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I need to get out of this sin. Allahu Akbar. I need to get out of this sin. And he said that year he sat in i'tikaf as well. He had the opportunity to be in i'tikaf and he also, mashallah, two and a half months or so later he went for hajj as well. What a wonderful year. He said that year I got immunity from that sin for about nine months. Like for nine months I didn't even feel like it. You know what I mean by immunity? It's like, you know, when you're not, Muslims are not into drinking, meaning wine and stuff like that. So when you, if you like shopping, who likes shopping here? You like shopping, you like to go through all the aisles, check things out, especially if it's your favorite store. When you get to these two, three aisles, you just have to ignore them. There's certain aisles we just have to ignore, like, Alhamdulillah. Like you just say, Alhamdulillah, I don't need to go there. I don't need to waste my money. And you don't even feel like it, do you? But if you've been in to drink, it's like, I wish. No, I can't. Right? The switch is off. If the switch just could be off for the sins that we struggle with, that would make life easy, right? Ramadan was the time to do that, right? So this time he said, for nine months, I didn't feel like committing that sin at all. I didn't even feel like it. After nine months, I started feeling a bit weak. <clears throat> and he said, look, I thought to myself, I don't want to fail this time. I want to let the blessings of Ramadan and I want to avoid this now. How do I do it? I've got two months left, nine, 10, 11. The 12th month is Ramadan again. He said, if I can pull it through for two months, I'll be back in the safe sanctuary of Ramadan. And he said, that's what he managed to do. He said, SubhanAllah, I felt so good because after years and years, this was my first year free of that sin. All the blessings of Ramadan. And a bit of hajj and so on. That's what Ramadan can do for us. Now, as I said, with anything that you enjoy, you let it linger, right? You enjoy, you speak about it. And again, as I said before, if you don't feel like that about Ramadan, don't beat yourself up. But hopefully, inshallah, Allah will allow us to feel like that for next Ramadan. Because when you're prepared for something, the reason we don't feel like that, a lot of people just think Ramadan, subhanAllah, a lot of people just think Ramadan is there to indulge uh, in the spirituality, do that extra, read that much extra Qur'an, you know, give that much more uh, sadaqat and zakat or whatever, come to the masjid more, don't listen to music, uh, don't, uh, you know, do anything haram, like be careful. And then when Ramadan is finished, shaitan's back out, 
So, you know, it's no longer Ramadan. Brother, it's not Ramadan anymore. Like, what's your problem, man? That was Ramadan. It's not Ramadan anymore. As though Ramadan is a time when you have to be careful and then God looks the other way after you come out of the month. Then it's all okay and it's all cool. Uh, no. Uh, and I know that some people might think Ramadan like, is very rigorous and very, have a lot of strictures inside. I want to enjoy life. We'll do it after Ramadan. Uh, it's just we need to get to an understanding of enjoying life while not disobeying Allah. And there's a way to do that. It's just if we don't know how to do that, then that becomes difficult because then we just feel like disobedience is what gives you pleasure. Like sinning gives you pleasure. But believe me, there's lots of halal sources of pleasure and halal sources of enjoying yourself. It's just if we're not used to it, then you don't know. Okay, so now that was the first aspect of this. Now this is the most important aspect, okay? Why don't we feel like that? Why do we feel Ramadan was... In fact, I would... Uh, hesitate to say or I cautiously say some people think Ramadan was this month of inconvenience almost I had to change my time of eating of my time of sleeping my time of resting I had to be careful and so on they still observed Ramadan because they have belief but it was almost like all of that's gone now like I can really enjoy myself right now back to it okay why does this happen I've been, this is what I've been thinking. I've done many Ramadans and I'm thinking, why is it that we feel this way? And I think one of the conclusions that I've come to, which I want to share with you today and get us to think about it, is that if there's one thing that is stopping every individual Muslim and Muslims as a whole from becoming more Muslim and more mu'min and more believers, because look at this. When we, Allah gives us the opportunity of Ramadan, He says, I'm going to open up the doors of paradise so that it's easy. If you want to be written to come in paradise, easy. It's an open house. You're welcome. Right? I'm going to close the doors of hellfire. So I don't want people to go in hellfire. And at night, every night in Ramadan, I'm going to write people as being freed from hellfire, emancipated from hellfire. May Allah have written our names in that. May Allah, may our names be allowed there. And then I'm going to do one other thing is I'm going to take away the shaitan. So you only have to worry about your soul, your habits, things that you're already used to. That's why if you notice, we just finished Ramadan. Did anybody feel like doing a new sin in Ramadan that they've never done before? Anybody? Because new sins come from shaitan or from a friend, a so-called friend, all right? From others, okay? If in Ramadan you still feel like doing sin, especially first few days, it's because of habit. It's a habitual sin, which is, comes from the nafs. Then Allah gives us 30 days and says, I want you to stop your food, drink and halal relationship, which are halal, just so that you can control your nafs. So you can say to your nafs, no, you can't have a coffee right now. You can't have water right now, even though you're feeling so tired at 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, at lunchtime, you feel like having lunch and you just can't work properly, you can't function because you're so tired and you're, you, you know, you're, you're hungry. No, you can't. So you say, eventually, two, three days into Ramadan, your, your nafs stops asking for it. So if you can stop asking for halal things, then you can control it for haram things as well. That's one of the understandings of Ramadan. Hopefully, we've been able to do that. That's why if we don't know that, after Ramadan, we'll just go back to square one again. Okay, Ramadan's finished. I did well then. Alhamdulillah, let's carry on. Um, the, uh, look at it this way. If we were at a 5 out of 10 in the level of Iman, like if we can measure our Iman, a 5 out of 10, for example, 
When we went into Ramadan, usually everybody goes up. Six out of ten, seven, eight, nine, ten. Do you think anybody went to ten out of ten in Ramadan here? Anybody feel like they got ten out of ten? Yeah, mashallah, at least one or two people are saying that. Um, nine out of ten? Eight out of ten, inshallah. We definitely increase by a notch or two. You have to. Ramadan is just mashallah. It's just such a time that you just feel like it, right? It'd be really crude to not feel like it, right? It'd be really weird. Alhamdulillah. So does that mean after Ramadan we go back to a five? That it was only for Ramadan that we went up to a nine or ten? No. The idea of Ramadan is a stepping stone to make us better for the coming year. Then the next Ramadan for the coming year after that. And so on, so that when we die, we're at our best. That's the, the, you know, I see that as the purpose of Ramadan every year. Otherwise, it's not like just, you know, have a good indulgence. Right? All, the food is, all the food is cheap right now. Just enjoy yourself. And then after, it's going to be expensive again. This is not about food. This is about buying things that you're going to use for the rest of the year, which means spiritual things. You're buying spiritual utility. You're buying spiritual appliances. You're buying spiritual objects, <coughs> spiritual food or whatever it is that keeps you going, that gives you the strength for the other 11 months. But shaitan is back out. For a lot of people, you know what? They mess up on the day of Eid, it says. Shaitan comes back out. By the evening of Eid day, they've messed up and they feel really, really bad. That's why I think the six fast of Shawwal are very helpful because they keep you in that mode for a while. Okay. Right. Now, what I'm going to do, and inshallah, you know, maybe I can give a bit of an opportunity to ask questions afterwards about this subject afterwards if we finish early enough, inshallah. I don't intend to take too long anyway. My second part, which is very, very important, is after thinking about this, that why don't we... A lot of people treat Ramadan, mashallah, they do good in Ramadan, but why not after Ramadan? Why doesn't it carry on? So this is what it is. I think number one, which is one of our biggest problems facing the Muslim Ummah, and has been the case... Right? So why am I talking about it? What difference is it going to make? Inshallah, if at least one or two people, it makes a difference too, then I think my job is done and our job is done and we got two better people, if not 20 better people. All right? If not 100 better people. Alhamdulillah. The biggest issue that we're all facing is ignorance. Like ignorance of what? We get so many WhatsApp messages every day. New hadith, 10 new hadiths from different WhatsApp groups. No, no, that stuff is random. That's not, that's not focused, that's random, right? And it's a information overload. So then you can't sift it out and then you start ignoring things. That's not the way, that's not the way forward. Ignorance is one of the biggest things that this ummah has always faced. What ignorance of what? Okay. Ignorance of what this life really is about. What our real challenges are, what our real purpose is. Who Allah really is and how do we define our worship and our devotion to Allah and how do we enhance it? Where are we and what it should be? Where many of us are ignorant. Why are we ignorant? Because where do we get our Islamic understanding from? Like we as, I mean, most people here looks like you've been born as Muslims. Okay. So where did you get your Islamic understanding from? You know, your fundamental basic Islam where did you get it from? You got it from where this kid is getting it from, which is the, the maktab, the madrasa, the teacher that's taught us when we were young. Between the ages of four, five, and or, you know, if our parents taught us, us a few things until the age of 12, 13, 14, whatever it is. Since that day, since that day, how many of us have taken a course 
on some very specific aspect, some in-depth aspect of Islam. I'm not talking about bayans. I'm not talking about Jumu'ah lectures and khutbas. Those are motivational. This lecture I'm giving is motivational, hopefully. Inspirational, inshallah. There's nothing deep here. Well, I try to bring in some, in, some, some depth, but usually we don't have depth. There's no complicated discussion uh, about more complicated aspects because some people just don't enjoy that or uh, people don't feel comfortable sometimes with that. So how many of us have studied something or read a book on Islam, any aspect on Islam, since the time we left our, te- our uh, childhood learning? How many of us have done that? Okay. So that's two. You've done it, right? Put your hand up. Otherwise, you're letting the barking people down. Yeah. Four, right? So about four out of what? 30 people. That's uh, percentage-wise. And this is not to condemn anybody, right? This is just as a, us to appraise that what is the situation that we're dealing with. That's a very small percentage, right, of people who've, who've either taken a course or read a book. Um, you know the, what we learnt when we were young? May Allah bless our teachers, whoever taught us. That was for children to ground us, get us going. Do you think that's all of Islam? Entire Islam was taught to us. Now let me bring a few other things. And I want us to reflect about ourselves really. right? So please bear with me. Number two. How many of us have read the Quran? I'll start off with meaning. So that we know at least once in our life what Allah is saying to us. Right? How many of us read the whole Quran with meaning? Okay. So that's about four or five people. The rest of us, we're going to finish this life and we don't know what Allah is talking about. Yes, we may read, we may do Quran khatams in Ramadan. But it's a totally different, that's wonderful, mashallah, but it's totally different when you let Allah speak. He, Allah is speaking to us from eternity and we're not letting him. Right? Even Arabs are like that. It's not like just because they know Arabs. Okay, it's easier for them whenever they do read Quran, they get it. But the rest of us, we have to get a translation. At least once in our life. How many times have we picked up, looked for, even five, one hadith? I want to see what my Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, about marriage. I want to see what my Prophet says about bringing up children, about life, about sickness, about success, about paradise, about Allah. I want to see what my Prophet says about it, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Prophet left us thousands of hadith. Allah has made it that nearly everything he said that could be recorded was recorded. Everything he did that could be recorded was recorded without YouTube, without cameras, all in writing. Bukhari alone has over 6,000 narrations. When you add the others, there's multiple, every subject. Have you ever felt a desire that I would like to see what the Prophet says? about business, about earning, about money, about life, about whatever. Does that desire never come up? Does that desire never come up? Are we going to die and we're going to stand in front of the Prophet and we can't say that we ever read anything? Yes, there's going to be some hadith that are thrown at us, sent to us, we listen to in bayans and in khutbas and so on. Those come about. But what about a, an objective study? 
All right, we've heard various different anecdotes. We've attended seerah programs about various aspects of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. How many of us have read a book on seerah or followed a full series on the full life story of the Prophet ﷺ? Maybe a few more, mashallah. Right? What I'm trying to say is that without that, how are we going to know what life is about? Otherwise, you know the deen we have is basically just what we had in our young age, plus stuff that we've picked up on the way. Plus stuff, we've, it's kind of random, added on here and there. And if we're conscious, then we've asked certain questions, but we've never done, because we don't have the time. That's what we think, we don't have the time. I don't think it's the time, really. Because tell us, how many of us has actually considered that I want to do this? I should do this. It's important for me to do this. How many of us have thought that? That I need to read a book on seerah, I need to read hadith, and I need to understand the Qur'an. How many of us thought that I need to do this before I die? Right, that's very few people. Right? Okay, about seven, eight people. That's a bit more people. The rest of us don't even know that we should be doing that. It's like, okay, we're, we're practicing. We're doing our salat, hopefully, inshaAllah. We're doing our fast. That's enough. It's enough to get by, inshaAllah. Allah give us success. Inshallah to get by. But don't you want to hire places of Jannah? Don't you want to be... Don't we want to be among the prophets and among the siddiqeen, among the shuhada, among the salihin, among the ulama? We've got our whole life to become alims. An alim is not the one who studies for six years and becomes an imam. You can become an alim by the time you're 70 years old by studying something every week, every month. And learning something more, something more, something more, something more, something more. By the time you die, we'd be a lot better off. Otherwise, our life is the same. That's why if you look at your Ramadans, right? Our Ramadans. Isn't our Ramadan, the way we do things in the Ramadan, the same for the last 10 years? Same amount of Quran. Same kind of ritual. Same routine. It hasn't improved necessarily. For some people it has improved. Right? If it was really bad, it's improved. Everything needs to improve in life. That's why ignorance is the biggest thing. Now, with ignorance, we're not going to get anywhere. So for example... How many of us worship Allah because you're scared of hell? Who's scared of hellfire? Let's put it that way. Okay, that's nearly everybody, right? Okay, who does worship because they want paradise? Okay, I used to think that as well. But after having learnt that that's just the first stepping stone, that's the first rung of the ladder, all right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But do you know what the higher motive is? I don't care about paradise or hell. I just care about pleasing Allah. I love Allah so much that I just want Him to be pleased with me and I don't ever want Him to be un displeased with me. Because if that's the case, paradise will come and hellfire will go anyway. Can you see that that's a higher level? Did you ever think that though? Why don't we think that? Because it's not something you're just going to think about unless Allah just inspires somebody. This is knowledge that the ulama give us. But usually we don't speak about these things as often. You only get this by reading the likes of Ghazali and Thanawi and others who speak about these things. When you keep reading and the Qur'an, then you see in the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He speaks about paradise and hell. But He speaks about those who love Allah. Allah is with them. And you develop that love for Allah because you start knowing Allah more. We don't know Allah enough. How many of us have ever read a review of Allah? Whenever we want a new product or we're interested in a new thing, we read reviews. How many of us have gone and read a review of Allah? I hate to frame it this way. 
we know Allah in that basic idea of He's uh, great and He's uh, all-powerful. That's all we know about Him. We don't know the details about Him. We may have heard a story here and there about His kindness and generosity and mercy and so on. But we've not made Allah personal to us that we can call Him by His various names. We know Him so well that when I want to be protected from something, when I want to be veiled, I say, Ya Sattar. When I want to be forgiven, I say, Ya Ghaffar. When I, I want to be cured, I use the name Ya Shafi. Right? When I want benevolence from him, when I want generosity, I say, Ya Jawad, Ya Kareem. Right? How do we, why don't we know Allah like that? Isn't Allah there? Isn't he like that for us? But we don't have a sophisticated understanding of him or the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ignorance is why we can't benefit fully from all of these things that we do. Once we know these things, your single salat that you do, your asr prayer that we just did, would be a totally different thing. It's just about knowledge of knowing more, and then our practice fits into that. For example, if I do a good deed, I used to feel like, genuinely, right? If I do a good deed, I used to feel like, man, I should get rewarded for this, mashallah. You know, I should get rewarded for this. That's how I used to feel. And why not? Don't you feel like that? Right? That's what we all feel like. I did a deed. Now, b based on that, sometimes what happens is that you might even show off. You might think, I'm better than that guy because look, I did this deed. So I'm going to get more rewards. And then I read something by Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandiri. Right? Where he, who's a knower of Allah. Like he knows Allah, you know, much more than I do. And he said, it is sufficient for you, for us, as a reward for any deed that you do, that Allah considered you worthy of doing that deed in the first place. It's like, wow, look at that. That just changed my mindset about this. So yes, I do know that the person has, and Allah has promised rewards for certain deeds, but the focus is not like that anymore. The focus now is, you know what? Thank you, Allah, that you allowed me to sit here and do this. That you allowed me to pray, you allowed me to give zakat, you made me one of those who can do this. That is a choice of Allah that He's allowed us to be like that. Hasn't that changed our mind today? Of what, how our worship should be focused, what Allah, who Allah is? Did we even ever think about that? That the fact that Allah even gave me, that's enough for me and I don't care about reward after that. By you caring about a reward makes no difference. It's what makes a difference is the real reason of why you're doing what you're doing. And if you're doing for Allah, you don't need anything else. I'm not saying that you don't care about reward at all, right? Ultimately, you could do that if you wanted to, because you just care about Allah, and that is the reward. If I have Allah, I have the reward. And if Allah has me, I have the reward. Because everything is about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So ignorance is, does not allow us to prosper. But it's self-induced ignorance. I know we live in London. I've seen that the people up north have much more time than people in London because things are cheaper. Even our young people, they are forced to work. Forced or encouraged or feel that they must work. Our young boys and girls feel that they must go and get a job to survive, to help with the rent, to help uh, with, with the cost of things because London is just busy by nature. That's just the way these big cities like London and New York and Sydney and Los Angeles and, and Dubai, they're just busy by nature. There's just something in the air that makes them different. And I've lived in a very calm area. Right? And, you know, it took me three months when I came back from Santa Barbara, California, which is a very relaxed area, just mountains on one side, ocean on the other side, and just amazing, 
amazing place, right? One of the most beautiful places. Come back to London, took me about three to four months just to get used to the traffic. I was very frustrated, right? It's very busy lifestyle. So we don't have time. But actually, there's very few people who actually don't have time. And many of us, there are times in our life when we don't have time. Because something has come up, somebody's at hospital, so after work you're rushing to hospital. God forbid. Or there's some, so, some things happening in the house, you have to get builders, you constantly have to be with them. Right? You just got no time. Or there's a project that you have to spend you know, 16 hours of the day. Most of us have a lot of time, it's just we have a phone. The smartphone and the social media. That is where half an hour on YouTube is so easy. How much barakah in time there is when you get onto YouTube? You can pass two hours just like that, right? In any language, at any age, subhanAllah. You've got Bangla stuff on there, you've got Urdu stuff on there, you've got English stuff, you've got whatever language you want, mashallah, it caters for everyone, half an hour, one hour. It's just if we can stop wasting our time and understand our priorities and focus on, I want to learn something new every year. I want to get better. I want to know Allah. I want to know because that's what's going to give me. Otherwise, we might scrape through. Inshallah, at least, if we can scrape through, even that's great, alhamdulillah. But, you know, then ultimately forever, that's our level. Why don't we get a higher level? Because in the world, we try to get higher levels of things. We're not satisfied with the basics. We always upgrade ourselves and our phones and our cars and our homes and clothing and things like that, right? When you first need a jacket, you don't, you don't think of a Canada goose jacket, do you? For your first jacket when you're 12, 13, any jacket works. Your first phone for a you got a phone? If I gave you a, if I gave you this old Nokia phone that just works, wouldn't you be happy with that? Maybe not. Yeah, you'd be happy, right? But give it. What about you? But then give it five years, then you want the latest one, right? Yeah, because you're you're still at that level. Yes, right. It's just the way these things work. It's the way the things work, right? So, I think. Let us view Ramadan like that, that it was an opportunity, it is an opportunity to push ourselves up and benefit from it for the rest of the year, and then the next Ramadan for the next Ramadan, and we need to get rid of our ignorance. It is no longer tolerable. If you want to achieve something, we need to get rid of our ignorance. If your family is something, if your family is a family that doesn't do this stuff, there's never been an alim in your family, there's never been a hafiz in your family, there's never been a person who's read all five prayers in the masjid in your family. There's not been anybody in your family who's kept a beard and worn a hijab, for example. Does that mean you must carry on like that? If the Sahaba were like that, and they came from those tribal mentalities and those warring factions and ignorance and absolute darkness, and they said, that's how we found, that is how we found our forefathers, we would be lost today. They couldn't have supported the Prophet let us change that. Why don't you be? I can give you examples of families that had no ulama, no, you know, they were just decently religious. Now, mashallah, in that one whole generation, out of all of the uncle's children, all the boys, like 10, 15, they're all hafiz of the Quran. Like every single one of them, I think, except one, is hafiz of the Quran. Doesn't matter if it's not in your family. Why do you have to perpetrate the ignorance of your culture? I love culture, but there's bad aspects in our culture. Keep the good aspects, get rid of the bad. You may follow resistance, but we can't stay ignorant anymore. We have to benefit ourselves and our generations to come. You lay that foundation. Make it different. And it's easy. 
All of your children can be Hafiz of the Quran and have all straight A's in their GCSEs and A-levels and, and they can get to, you know, get, they can have good degrees from good universities. Aim for the best in everything. I can give you number of in, individuals in the, you know, within 10 miles of here, right? Because I teach in a, you know, in a particular madrasa where we have students who are PhDs, doctors, engineers, and they're also alims of the deen. They've also done hifz of the Quran. You can be the best of both worlds. Just because your family didn't have that and it was just all doctors or all engineers or all, you know, army or whatever it is, you know, from Pakistan army or Bangladesh or whatever it was or India, doesn't mean that you have to carry on like that. There's a new world we're living in. And you can, the opportunity Allah has given us in London, you know, Allah, Allah be thanked for that. Right? Allah be praised for that. So use the opportunities, get rid of this ignorance, improve ourselves. And then we can see that we can be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So essentially, read the Quran with meaning, along with your reading just like that. Read some hadith, get a seerah book, and read the life story of the Prophet And then you, I guarantee you, you read this once through, you will want to do this for the rest of your life. You don't know the pleasure that's found in there. You will feel more enriched, you will feel more grounded, you'll feel much more spiritually motivated, and you'll feel hungry for more. Because it's addiction. Right? You'll, that's what you'll get into. Then inshallah your life will improve. Everybody around you, the contentment, the peace that you have, the willingness to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah all of that will improve. And you know, the, the, uh, a lot of people say, you know, we're just in this competition in the world. All of that rat race. You'll still be working. You can still make a lot of money. No problem with that. Make a lot of money. We just need righteous people with a lot of money to do the things in life. Because that's what is needed in the world today. A lot of money in the hands of righteous people to do things for the ummah and for themselves. So that's a, that, that's a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. Uh, hopefully it's not too much to digest, but keep that in mind. Let us start with trying to understand Allah better. And that will be our beginning. May Allah, may Allah grant us his understanding. That's what he created us for. May Allah grant us your understanding. May Allah grant us your knowledge. May Allah make it easy. May Allah grant us, oh Allah, grant us your, your love and the love of those whose love will benefit us. Oh Allah, make our surroundings conducive for your love, conducive to your devotion. Uh, allow us to remove the obstacles in our path, the excuses that we have, and forgive us for our delay and our laziness, our procrastination, our indulgences in other things, obsessions with other things, our distractions and our sins and transgressions. Oh Allah, forgive us and allow us to start afresh and become closer to you. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of 
most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.